What's up guys, this is Katie Cloudy and welcome to the first ever episode of Clouds on Air and in this episode we'll be talking about Dune, directed by Denis Villeneuve. That's all the French I know, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I watched this film twice. Uh, it came out a few weeks ago, actually a month ago in like Europe. Uh, you want to is going for this target release, I have no idea why. But yeah, I watched it twice, uh, once last week, like first day for show. Of course in IMAX and the second time yesterday so having watched it twice I have a good kind of a grasp about what to like yeah I'll talk about the film and we'll go nice and easy so the film stars of course Timothy Chalamet Zendaya who's not in the film that much but yeah Rebecca Ferguson and Oscar Isaac a bunch of other people Stellan Skarsgård uh, Batista is there Jason Momoa Javier Bardem yeah, all these guys, hopefully I'm not... Oh yeah, Josh Brolin as well. I don't know how could I forget it. So yeah, this film has an ensemble cast, uh, as you can tell. And yeah, I really liked it. <laughs> uh, yeah, of, of course, like that's like the most generic reaction ever. The first time around, when I, I left the theater, I was conflicted. My initial reaction was like, that's it. And when I went home and let the film sort of sink in and uh, yeah, th- then the film sort of grew on me because I, like I was totally sucked into this experience for like two, two and a half hours and just having it in was like almost, I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't really ready for the film to end the way it ended because I was so invested in this and I'll talk about why in a bit and yeah the movie of course has an abrupt ending because it's part one of two which they recently announced because this movie is making a lot of money and it, it wasn't like in Tenet you know when the credits rolled I was like whoa this is the best movie ever so yeah that, that reaction didn't quite hit me and that's really the thing with uh, Villeneuve's movies. Uh, I, I watched pretty much all of his films except for Insanities, <laughs> if that's what it's pronounced again. Uh, I suck at French. But yeah, I watched uh, Prisoners, Enemy, Arrival, Sicario, and uh, Blade Runner 2049. And um, yeah, of course, this one. And I would say that Dune is definitely not the best of all of his films i would still give it to um enemies or prisoners of course i haven't watched in 70s and uh, yeah those films are much more grounded but even like across all of his films even though they they have their own strengths all of them end in a very unsatisfying open-ended way maybe apart from arrival but all of them have that, you know, unsatisfying ending. So yeah, the moment all of these films end, you you are not really sure how to process this, because our minds, because we we watch so many, you know, conventional like the conventional three act structure demands for a proper conclusion. So everything, like all the character arcs are wrapped up, everything is like wrapped up and done, and it's it's neatly spelled out for you. But yeah, the same thing I I um, 
witnessed in Sicario, which which I just watched before watching Dune. It ends with a shot of uh, kids fl- kids playing football, and uh, there is like gunfire heard in the background, and implying that somebody was murdered or like a ter- terrorist attack happened or something like that. But the kids like take a pause, but they still continue playing, like acting that that life that that. that like living amongst the gunfire and gunshots is normal and that's a very you know messed up thing messed up like a very dark note for a film to end on prisoners ended with uh, Hugh Jackman literally inside like uh, a prison box like a, a box buried under the uh, under the ground enemy which is one of the most mindfuck movies i've ever watched uh it ends in a very creepy like almost like a horror movie shot of Jake Gyllen I I'll not spoil it but yeah it, it, it's unsettling and the movie just ends over there and even Blade Runner 2049 it just ends with a shot of Ryan Gosling I'll not spoil it but yeah he's just lying on the ground and it, it just ends and you you're supposed to get that you know sink it in while the credits roll and that's when you truly kind of uh, appreciate or understand the depth of the movie because after i went back home i like i had this immediate craving of what wanted to watching uh, wanted to watch it again so yeah and again uh, it was necessary to watch it twice because since it's a sci-fi it's a sci-fi themed story uh, adapted out of a very old novel a bunch of novels you know there are a lot of um complex terms and which are which originate from like languages outside of english so yeah you you need to really kind of uh, be careful in listening to those subtitles actually help but being being unfamiliar with the source material which i was i haven't read the book um and i don't think most people will and yeah so uh, yeah i would say that it's it's very it's 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 kind of necessary to watch this movie twice uh, first to understand it better and also appreciate it better okay, now let's talk about the actual plot stuff itself i i won't like go on critiquing the acting and stuff i am not really a movie critic i'm just yeah like that that conventional stuff is boring so here's the thing of course this is like um the 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 theme and the nature of the story basically has a very saga esque uh, characteristic to it like you know there are there are prophecies involved and uh, there is you know be the, the the probability of the main character being the chosen one and we are supposed to kind of follow the main character's journey to his uh, destined path and all that so a lot like and this and this entire path is stretched across two to three movies so it definitely kind of reminds you of maybe harry potter or star wars and harry potter did this really really well but the last good harry potter movie came out like 10 years ago and uh, star wars hasn't been able to make a very good 
uh, version of that in uh, in a long time so watching something like this is really refreshing uh, to say the least and i i really like the, the you know the themes of you know being the chosen and all that it feels very novelesque and there are certain elements of this movie which feel like of course like it's it feels like reading a book a lot of the architecture of the lot of the technology a lot of the vehicle all those designs are based in, in a very biological fashion so all the ships and the and the planes or whatever they they they, they look like dragonflies <laughs> and, and, and like housefly they the wings of course look like look like dragonflies and i can um i can almost imagine uh the description of that particular aircraft being printed on a book as if it's that you know a ship which looks like a dragonfly or something I, like it, it, i have i don't I haven't read that many fictional books in my life but uh, i have read a few like harry potter ones but it does feel like that you know uh, that's something a reader would imagine uh, after reading a book you know that's that's exactly like the blue eyes of the fremen you know that's that stuff is like so yeah the nature the genre you could say all right one more other random thing which i just uh, remembered is uh, that out of all of denis villeneuve's films um a lot of them start with plain text on screen animated it i think it said like chaos is undeciphered something like i forgot <laughs> but yeah it started with something like that something very cryptic and dramatic and blade runner of course started with expository uh, text sicario also started with that and this movie also starts with uh, you know one line which was like dreams are messages from the deep or something yeah yeah so you could you would see uh, like that that like as a, as a signature move so I guess all of his films do that except for um Arrival and um, Prisoners. Okay, now coming back to the film itself, uh, what is oh yeah, the music. The music is amazing. Okay, so full disclosure, I didn't really pay attention to the music at first in my first viewing. Uh that's just that's just how I am. <laughs> unless it's like a big superhero movie or a long running franchise i i just have a hard time you know paying attention to the music of a particular film and again the legendary hans zimmer composed the score for this film and his style you know has been sort of like uh, even in uh, dunkirk um like mixing sound design with the actual score of the film so a lot of his it's like loud noises with uh, opulent orchestra i i don't know what what musical instruments are called i'm sorry <laughs> but yeah uh, i i i listened to the uh, tracks on spotify after my first viewing and like it did bring up a lot of you know it, it did bring up some floating images on my head of the theater and certain scenes so i would say even though i did not consciously pay attention to it it did kind of wrap into my subconscious in a way that uh, you know i i did connect those isolated uh sounds with images from the film so i think it did a pretty good job and 
I would say that you you can listen to that and uh, Hans Zimmer has been on a roll this year. He even uh, composed the No Time to Die soundtrack, which I will probably make an ep- a separate episode on. And yeah, right now he's my top listened to artist on Spotify for this particular month. And uh, yeah, the, the the my favorite tracks from this. Okay, let me check. Uh, yeah, Leaving Caladan, Arakeen. And ripples on the sand. These three, um, these three tracks are my favorite. They're like, especially if you listen listen to them in Dolby Atmos and Apple Music, they're, they're pretty good. So yeah, that was the music. Uh, the cinematography on this uh, on this film is pretty amazing as well. It's it's uh, the DP on this film is Greg Fraser. I'm I'm sorry if I'm butchering names in this in this podcast, but if you are not familiar with Greg Fraser's work, uh, he's supposed to be the DP of uh, the Batman movie, which is coming out next year, directed by Matt Reeves and starring as the guy from Twilight as Batman. And he's also um, he's also shot uh, Rogue One, Star Wars Rogue One, which was a it was a, it's a it was a beautiful film. Uh, yeah, this film is it looks amazing. And I'm not even talking about the scale or the CGI. Like, night nighttime actually looks like nighttime. Movies do this weird thing where it's nighttime and it's supposed to be dusk, but everybody's faces are like lit by this giant uh, key light off camera, and like that that's weird. And this this movie does a really good job on about like handling nighttime shots and but i yeah apart from that i am not really you know an expert on lighting and stuff so i'll i'll, I'll stop <laughs> commenting about that jumping off of cinematography i would like to touch on the cameras which was used to shoot this film uh they used airy alexas lfs so it's a large format camera and everything is shot is shot digitally but if you do get a chance and if you take a look at the HBO Max version of this uh, film, or if you watch it in a regular theater, uh, which is non, if you watch it in a non IMAX theater, you'll find that the movie has a lot of grain. Now that is actually unusual for a digitally short film. A digitally short film doesn't really have film grain. Um, it has noise grain, but that's different. It like what's actually in this film is legitimate film green so the general like you would think that they added the green in post but that's not the case uh what they did was they finished the digital intermediate the di of this film they probably finished in 4k um and they printed it out on physical 35 mm film and then rescanned it and made a DI outfit or something. So that's how they achieved that authentic film grain. So if you watch it on a theater or if you, or if you watch it on a nice big 4K TV uh, through HBO Max, it, yeah, you'll, you'll notice that grain and that looks that that grain looks very you know organic. And I think that that kind of fits in. With the movie, you know, uh, since most of it is taking place in the desert, 
okay now let's talk about imax uh if you if you are familiar if you if you took a look at um, any of the films marketing materials you will have seen that there is a lot of emphasis on the movie being filmed for imax or or stuff like that and you might have seen tweets saying that if you watch it you have to watch it in imax the 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 cameras it was shot on the ari alexa lf it's a large format camera sensor so it's a really big sensor <laughs> and it can shoot a very tall aspect ratio like taller than regular cameras so like the red 8k cameras they shoot uh they shoot an aspect ratio of 1.9 is to 1 um that's like roughly 17 by 9 and the the cameras this was shot on is bigger than that of the reds i guess and they're physically taller and they can achieve a taller aspect ratio of 1.43 to 1 or like maybe 1.5 is to 1 and the other camera which can do this is the sony venice uh the new one which was used to shoot top gun yeah so yeah, this the physically larger sensor on the, on this camera like makes it uh, capable to shoot larger aspect ratios and aspect ratios are um, a weird thing i i'll not talk about that in depth but yeah um, your your theaters are and like regular movies are 2.40 to 1 and the way this movie was shot was like it was shot on a larger aspect ratio and if you go to an imax theater you get to see the larger aspect ratio that's it okay now here's the thing uh that aspect ratio i talked about 1.43 is to 1 which this which most of the entire movie is shot on you cannot watch it in like in many places there are only like 20 25 uh theaters in the world which actually have a 1.43 is to 1 100 feet tall uh IMAX theaters uh which can actually show the full height uh, of what was captured with the uh, Alexa LFs for the swim and the rest of the theaters including the theaters in India uh will show uh the film in 1.90:1 which is about that same aspect ratio I talked about with the red camera so it's it's not as tall but it's still taller than you know your regular theater so that's the difference okay here's the thing i i usually don't care about uh where people watch their movies i mean like some people are like um how can you watch this on a laptop how can you watch this on a phone i watch my movies on an ipad dude <laughs> yeah i i don't even uh like if i have to watch movies at home i just watch them on an ipad and i am personally a fan of the IMAX format and like even a person like me who 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 has like this in like extreme range like it's either an iPad or an IMAX screen um i don't mind watching movies on a small screen and the whole streaming versus theatrical debate is for another time but i just it just didn't feel right watching dune on a small screen even on a laptop or or on tv I think the extra expanded aspect ratio does make a storytelling wise difference and uh, the movie just feels incomplete without it 
and i really really hope they um they release the movie uh, with the expanded aspect ratio on blu-ray so that would be nice and and going along those lines um and answering the question is this movie too dependent on just spectacle just the theatrics and i would say no like even though the movie like spectacle is definitely uh, a large portion of it and certainly a large reason why you would enjoy this especially on a big screen that like it, it isn't the only reason why the movie works so well like there isn't a like there are no big fight scenes there are like there, there are no big cgi army uh, battles at the end and none of uh, none of vernon's uh, films do they aren't the, uh, these films aren't dune isn't cliched in in that way in fact this is a very plot heavy film this is of course like this is part 1 <laughs> of a novel and like i said there are there are a lot of terms like there's just a lot of stuff thrown at you you know plot wise you know at the first 30 40 minutes and sometimes it is hard to follow and but yeah trust me there is a lot of story in this film and like you just won't be bored it it it's it's definitely not like godzilla versus kong <laughs> where where you just wait for the next big fight scene which you could say it's it's not of course high concept this movie doesn't have hidden deeper meanings it's just a badass plot <laughs> and, and and that's like almost hard to find these days people either want the cookie cutter marvel stuff or like extremely mindfuck on christopher nolan stuff uh, like this is this is like pure blockbuster material with filmmaking ingen- ingenuity behind it there have been multiple adaptations of frank herbert's original novel there has been like a, a film directed by david lynch in 1984 which didn't do so well there have been multiple series which didn't do so well so i think you know you 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 don't have you don't have to take the most like high concept mindfuck uh, time bending plots to make a good film you just need for making ingenuity and sicario was kind of the similar uh, was in the similar lines it didn't have any uh, hidden deeper meanings it was a simple plot and what makes sicario so good and what makes dune so good is the way the film is helmed and the way it's made by Denis Villeneuve and his entire crew including Greg Fraser and uh, hundreds of crew members whom I don't know they made a very awesome film which I love watching uh definitely and I'm looking forward to part 2 now I'm not trying to say that this movie is perfect it has flaws um like the ending is a little unsatisfying and uh, it can feel a little, little long at times sometimes the dialogue can be a little hard to follow and like zendaya has very little screen time and yeah these things but it doesn't and i, I, I and i won't say that this is uh, villeneuve's best work i would still like i said uh, put prisoners and enemy on top 
but that doesn't prevent dune from being a really really good time and you know something you can watch and just sink it in you have to watch it you have to experience it and you have to think about it and this this like and, and i'm really excited for the next movie because the way the things are left and yeah i think that's all i have to say uh thank you so much for i wouldn't say i was about to say watching because that's how i end my youtube videos so that's basically it thanks for watch okay thanks for tuning in i was about to say thanks for watching because that's how i end my youtube videos but yeah thanks for tuning in thanks for listening um i could actually talk a lot more not actually a lot more but yeah i could talk about how jason momoa's character is, is called duncan idaho in you know a movie which was which is supposed to take place in like 10000 years in the future duncan idaho that's just a weird name like there, there are some very cool names in this film like you know the harkonnens the benny jesuit and the main character's name is paul it's just it doesn't <laughs> yeah those are minor nitpicks um but yeah so maybe maybe they would be fun to explore but yeah hopefully you enjoyed this i loved you know just thinking out loud all my thoughts about this particular film and of course if it wasn't clear i love this film so please support it please watch it as of now this movie is at like 224 million us dollars worldwide which sounds like a lot but it isn't even at the top 10 of the uh, highest grossing films of 2021 uh, it's under free guy it's under cruella uh, so yeah do watch it in the theater if possible i support this film because that's how you can support films by voting with your wallets and there was a point where uh, one of brothers wouldn't green light this film if it didn't make enough money the part 2 i mean so yeah if you if you really think a film is good please go into the theaters and watch it maybe not twice but at least once and yeah some some just like some movies just deserve to be watched on a big screen and this is one of them uh yeah thanks for listening and i'll catch you guys in the next one cheers